Hey ladies, it's Kristen here with a quick housekeeping note for this week. Our book club selection for July and August is Austin Cleon's Steel Lake and Artist, and you can join our book club at patreon.com slash craftyassfemale. This is the last chance for some awesome ladies live tickets to join me and Amanda in East Lansing on the weekend of August 17th through 19th. I'll be closing registration at the end of the month on July 31st to prepare and personalize everyone's attendance. Um, it's going to be amazing and I hope you can join us. The tickets are available at theawesomeladiesproject.com slash live. That's theawesomeladiesproject.com slash live. And now I am so ready to introduce you to our guest this week, Danielle Spurge. Danielle's amazing. She's actually the first guest that me or Amanda don't know personally. So I'm really excited to grow the show in that way. And Danielle is offering a free Etsy lesson email series to all of our listeners. And you can download that right now at meriwethercouncilblog.com slash crafty ass. So without further ado, here is me, Amanda, and Danielle. Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Danielle. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Hi. Today with us, we have Danielle Spurge of the Merriweather Council, and I am like super excited to talk to her. She does something really cool. She is a craft business consultant, and um, well, I'm just going to let her tell you all about it because uh, her path is really awesome. And uh, yeah, Danielle, tell us more about what you do. Um, yes. Well, first, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Um, You're so welcome. I do uh, consider myself a consultant, although I hate that word. (laughs) Um, It just seems to be the word that represents what I do the best. And until another better word comes along, we'll just go with it. But basically, I um, am a craft business consultant to other makers, people who have crafty tendencies. I help them turn those crafty tendencies into profits. So people who have something they love to do or make and have an entrepreneurial spirit, (laughs) basically take those two things and help them build their business, selling what they make and what they love to do. And that is based on my own experience doing that. Of course, um, I built my own craft-based business in 2010 and that was my full-time gig for about five years. And then I started doing both things where I am a craft business consultant (laughs) and a craft business owner. So um, it's been a really fun journey and I'm so thrilled that in my role as consultant, (laughs) I am able to be a small part in so many success stories with um, the people I work with and helping them build their business. It's in a way even like more rewarding than working on just my one business. Mm. So it's totally awesome. (laughs) So, so tell us a little bit more about your crafty business and how did you get started with your, your hobbies and how did you turn that into a crafty business? 
Sure. So like most people, I've been like a crafty person forever. Yes. Um, I went to college at uh, the Massachusetts College of Art and Design, and I graduated with a BFA in 3D fine arts with a concentration in fibers, <laughs> which is probably wow. the most obscure degree a person can have. Um, but right after college, in college, you know, senior year, my professors and the people around me, you know, trying to help us figure out what to do with our lives <laughs> and all of the uh, options that were presented didn't really seem viable to me. Or... Like what were they saying? <laughs> there was a lot of emphasis on becoming like a gallery artist or right. a working artist where you go and you work a part-time job or even a full-time job somewhere that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily be working there with the intention of turning it into a career. And then on the side, you hustle really hard to get your work into galleries or shows, um, or you apply for grants or scholarships or residencies. And I was like, none of that really appeals to me. I don't even see myself as a fine artist. Um, so I decided to apply for graduate school because I was like, well, I like college. Yeah, because it's a it's a set structure, right. and you're learning things and taking on things that you want to do because you get to a let. So I get I get exactly. it that it's not necessarily like college. It's just the fact that I'm not ready to have no structure and not be doing what I love to do. So let me continue. Exactly. That's I was like, yeah. okay, I love having like my studio space at school. You basically just get to like make art all day. That sounds great to me. <laughs> you know, it sounds better than any of these other options. So I applied to graduate school. Long story short, I got in. Longer story, even shorter, I decided not to go. Um, and that was based on some bad experiences I had with the, the university I was considering going to. And so I was like, you know what? I feel like my whole experience with this place is already tainted. I just don't wow. want to continue. So that's when I started my business because I was like, you know what? I don't have any other plans. I don't have any other options. <laughs> the options I have don't appeal to me. So let me just try this and see what I can do. Cause that was always really interesting to me. Like the handmade economy and mm -hmm. totally. culture. And I, and again, so this is 2009, 2010. Yes. When blogs were around, <laughs> but not necessarily Instagram and all these like flow oh, yeah. of stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah. Blogs were still pretty big. Instagram was like, you could still post, you know, 75 pictures in a row of your kids right. doing something and no one cared. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it was like Instagram was like barely even a thing. I like barely used it for like five years, like literally for five years. I like barely used Instagram. So yeah, it was a different landscape, but that's that's basically how I started my business from a place of like, well, I may as well try this now. <laughs> and so like literally the day after graduation, I just like went home and slept for a while and then I started my business. I mean, it's, you know, just as simple as that. I just decided this is what I wanted to do and I just started doing it because I didn't know any better. So I didn't know if I was doing it right or wrong. I just was doing it. <laughs> and, and now you know, when adjusting. you say it, right, I'm sure you're going to go into it, but like what, like, did you have something going on when you were planning all this college and then say that was it? Or was it just this like ambiguous maker kind of mentality? Like, yeah. Totally ambiguous, except for the fact that I saw 
Well, so I went to college in Boston, like I mentioned, which is a very vibrant center of art and design. So there, I was surrounded, and I was very lucky to have lived in a place like that, where that was something that people went out and consumed. People love to go to galleries. There's tons of galleries in Boston, really vibrant art culture, lots of markets. Um, so I started like, you know, researching those things and I was able to show my work at shows and fairs, markets, etc. And, and that this was, was all just like illustration and artwork, just like this is the art I'm making kind of thing. This was, I was selling embroideries, okay. um, which of course is like, you know, most, and even like we're talking about Instagram, people didn't even use it then. Like nobody really understood it. you hang embroidery on a wall mm-hmm. at this point. Like it just, I feel like I kind of got in on that when it was like still like new, you know, how so many craft based pursuits have to like shed their grandma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah come totally. into their own. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I was like right on the like cusp of like as embroidery was doing that becoming cool again mm-hmm. instead of just like you know the stuff that yes. your grandma made yes uh so I was selling my embroideries and I had no clue what I was doing literally in terms of like what does my body of work look like and like all the things that like I went to school for that would translate to what I was doing I was like I'm not doing any of that because I'm so focused on you know figuring out what to do next so it was kind of crazy for like a year but finally I fell into a you know, something that felt like I was going in the right direction and selling my work and making money. And then it just kind of went from there. So you had a handmade business. Yes. And it was cool. It was cool. And it was your art. And you, so you were more subconsciously using the stuff that you learned in college and not tangentially and tactilely using the things that you learned in college. Yeah. So like my, in college where I went to school, it was, like I said, a fine arts major. So it had a lot of uh, emphasis on fine art and meaning like that, that path of, you know, making really high priced art selling to galleries or museums or whatever. But so I was not doing that, but Technique-wise, I was implementing what I had learned in my fibers concentration, because fibers is basically like anything that has to do with thread and fabric, weaving, soft sculpture. Um, But no one taught me anything about business, so I was sort of winging it on that. (laughs) And yeah, I wasn't really, I mean, I definitely feel like I used my degree, but not to its full potential, probably. Well, it translated through what intuitively you felt you wanted to do yes, I think it did and then all this business and your own home stuff on 2010 that was all launched on Etsy like that's where it was living yeah at first it was only on Etsy and then eventually I did build my own website but it was pretty much just Etsy and doing like a ton of craft fairs for like the mm-hmm. first like two mm-hmm. years and that was accessible to me because of living in Boston there was a lot of very well established shows like every week you know weekly markets and stuff so that was awesome (laughs) to be able to take uh part in that so but yeah and then through the craft fair on like Etsy you get to kind of watch people's reaction to things which then helped yeah right Yeah, it's really interesting for anybody who's ever done a craft show. I'm sure this is, this doesn't sound surprising, but it's really interesting 
to stand there with your work and have people come up and just say whatever yeah, comes yeah, yeah. to mind. <laughs> you know, Good and bad, like, right? Yeah, you're kind of like sheltered from that online because right. you don't hear necessarily. I mean, sometimes you get like crazy messages from people with like crazy requests or whatever, but to just hear like the stream of conscious that comes out of someone's mouth <laughs> as they're like looking at your work is like, oh, okay. And you're two feet away. <laughs> yeah, it's like they have no clue like yeah. what to do in the situation. So they just get, I think people just get nervous. Yeah. Um, but it's hilarious. It's also really helpful though, to hear the way other people talk about what they're seeing. Right. Um, you know, that can be really eye opening. So there's lots, there's lots to learn out there in the real world when you put your work out in front of people. That's never really bothered me. That's something that you kind of get used to in, in an art school setting is like being critiqued all the time. But it's just right. hilarious when people who don't know any better, like right. people who aren't artists themselves, you know, come up to your booth and they're just like spewing their thoughts. And it's like, oh, okay, thank you for right. telling me all of that right now. <laughs> and I've always imagined like, when I used to work for the happy planner and I was in that trade show setting, like mm-hmm. my, a lot of my big purpose was, let me tell you why you need this. And let yeah. me tell you why it's great. Like I imagine when it's artwork like that, like there is none of that. There's no trying to sell it. Right. It just speaks for itself and people either, you know? Yeah. Right? I mean, ideally that would be, that would be great if, if you never had to kind of like sell it. I mean, I think for makers it's hard because a lot of what we sell is, it like for for a lot of makers what they sell is utilitarian people see it they understand how to use it it's a bag it's a shirt it's Mm -hmm. whatever but some people sell like actual you know just artwork things you put on the wall things you use to decorate your house with um or like pillows things that people don't need and so people start being like well nobody needs what i have nobody needs what i make so it's I don't know. I think people have to learn to sell their products too, still even in that sense. But yeah, it's, it's not, most people aren't like as, let me tell you why you need this. They just kind of want to like sit back and let the stuff do its job. That's obviously ideal, (laughs) but it's harder that way. Yes. Yeah. So how did you grow your business? So the main thing that I feel like I did right when growing my business was I said yes to everything, like literally every opportunity that came my way, I said yes to for like two years. What kind of opportunities? (laughs) Um, If anybody asked me to like teach a workshop, I said yes, even though it didn't relate directly to what I was selling, I said yes. Um, If someone asked me to participate in an event, I said yes. If someone asked me to go with them, to some other event that even if it had really nothing to do exactly with what I was doing, I went with them, I met people. Um, And then also, I really leveraged the opportunity of Etsy because I saw that as being the like beacon of like, all these people already know what Etsy is. And I can sort of like, you know, hitch my buggy (laughs) to their horse, basically. And that I think those two things just being really open to opportunities, saying yes to things and also leveraging the available tools to my benefit, I think were probably like the biggest two things I did that made a difference in the beginning. And I continue to do that today is like identify the opportunities 
of Etsy because that is still such a giant platform that has so much power and like unique power. Yeah. And especially for people who don't live um, in a place like Boston. Right. And can't go to craft fairs every single weekend and don't have those uh, opportunities to like meet all of the great people like who live Uh next door or live down the street or, you know, can gather in a great meeting place, you know, Uh just hop on your computer and there's Etsy with literally, I mean, hundreds of thousands of sellers and people, millions of people who want to buy. Exactly. And I mean, that even was me as after I left Boston, I lived in a place where there were no craft fairs and my husband joined the Navy. So we moved to Virginia and there was like really no, not the same culture at all as Boston. And so even more so than I was, you know, relying on the internet. Uh, But also I feel like most of us like, yeah, craft fairs are fun, but most of us don't want to do that every single weekend. Like that's a really labor intensive outing. It's usually in the summer. So it's usually really hot. The next day you're totally fried because you stood in the sun all day. And you know, that kind of thing is like, so for most of us, we don't want to have to rely on that. We want to be able to do that for fun when we, when we feel like, you know, this is a good show for me or whatever. Um, or do it occasionally, but I think for most of us, we'd rather run our businesses online because there's so much more reach available there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you made um a huge um what's the word that I'm looking for? Like you went from making a little bit of money in your first year to a mm-hmm. huge amount of money in your second year. Um, and that's why you decided to, as, uh, we don't like the word. Oh, the consultant word. (laughs) Yeah. Become a a crafty business consultant. Yes. So you use all these, these leveraging tools mm -hmm. that you just said. Um, and then you started the, uh, the Meriwether Council. Yes. So the Meriwether Council has has been the name of my business since the beginning. It encompasses both the embroidery and the consultancy. (laughs) Um, And I did make a lot more money in my second year selling only my handmade products than I did the first year. And I think that that was in part, I finally got on board with like, what am I doing? And also had a better understanding of what am I supposed to do next? Obviously still pretty much knew nothing, but was still figuring it out, but knew a little bit better. And then as that was happening, I had a lot of people, you know, and back in the day, Etsy teams were a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people on Etsy teams, a lot of, there was a, just more of a on-site community yeah. um, at that time. And so a lot of people were reaching out to me saying, how are you doing this? What are you doing? It's so interesting to see your business growing in this way. And so I found myself like talking to people all the time. And I love to do that, like strategize with people, talk to people. What are you doing? What am I doing? Um, And so I found myself doing that a lot. And then I was like in that like fourth year, I was like, let me just like do this with intention (laughs) instead of like answering these one-off questions or like occasionally blogging about this kind of thing. So I just started to, I just took my business and I was like, okay, here's my products and here's my services. And they're under the same umbrella. I'm still the same person, but I'm doing this like 
seller to seller thing with more intention now, Mm -hmm. just because it was, you know, was getting like, I enjoy doing this. People are reaching out to me a lot. Let me just make this an organized part of what I do. So in your brain, you just, the natural evolution of kind of what you were offering was first, I make this product for consumers. And Mm -hmm. then you realized I can, I also have all this knowledge as a seller to give to sellers. So in your brain, that was the two ways that you could, Mm -hmm. that your business naturally took, like this product I'm making for consumers and this knowledge I have for other sellers. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I think that doesn't come, like you're saying, like people don't realize that sometimes, that they do have already this wealth of knowledge. Like even you with not going for your master's had all this knowledge Mm -hmm. that you could still use to start your business. Like I know you weren't thinking that you didn't have it and that's why you wanted to get your master's. But I just think people sometimes don't realize that they don't need to go to that extra course or they don't need like extra. You already have it. Like just for right. we don't need to working. pay another seventy five thousand right. dollars to go back to school, <laughs> right? Just, just to get an extra degree, like right. that doesn't actually mean anything. When, yeah, I think you know the experience of doing something is yes. sometimes more valuable. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I like I said, I love talking to other people about their business. Like, I guess I'm like a business minded person in a lot of ways but I'm still like, I just want to make things. <laughs> so right. I'm glad I get to do both basically. Yeah. I was watching, um, I think it was, th- it's the intro video on your website where you talk about, um, helping people bring their right brains and their left brains together. Yes. And I think that that's such an important thing to do as a, as a creative, especially when you want to, you know, bring your creative hobby into a creative business or even just make a little bit of money from mm-hmm. your, um, your creative hobby on the side of like, you know, well, how do I organize this stuff? How do I, right. you know, what is the next step? What do I do? Right. And I think it's so great that you're just like, well, here, here's what I did. Right. You know, and like, I'm sure you made some mistakes along the way because that's the best way to learn. And so like, here is, you know, the best way to do it. Like you don't have to tumble down the the stairs and make your own mistakes 50 times. And like the biggest part of making mistakes on my end is like, sometimes you don't even know their mistakes until like weeks or months (laughs) later. And then you're like, shit, I should have done this the other way. And then like, I could have fixed it and we would be back, you know, six weeks ahead of the game. So but like, nobody knows their mistakes. Only you're and, realizing it. Right. And so yeah. when you have someone to like help you along to like hold your hand, like a, did you let, I don't know, like a business bestie. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> you just, it's just so much better. It is better. I always say that. I'm like, business is better with a friend. No one wants to do this alone. It's already hard enough. <laughs> like why make it harder on yourself? Also, like, of course, we're all going to learn from our own experiences as we do things. But truthfully, we cannot have all of the experiences ourselves. We don't There's have no capacity way. or time right. to have for me and you and you to all have the exact same experience, all of the experiences. Right. So we have to learn from each other. And for me, like when I was starting my business, I really did feel like I was like hung out to dry by like the the school I graduated from that had like really no resources for like being an entrepreneur. Um, outside of like you, you work at Whole Foods and then you hustle really hard to get your stuff in galleries. Like that to them is 
was like the definition of being an entrepreneur as an artist, which is fine. Like I know a lot of people who did that and love that. And they're like, this is awesome. My life is awesome. The same way I feel like this is awesome. My life is awesome doing something completely different. But I just felt like I didn't have anybody to ask or like I had no example. Like if you mm-hmm. graduate from Mass College of Art and Design, there are plenty of examples of people who do the like artist hustle. Mm-hmm. There's much fewer examples of people who do something like I did where it's selling like products to consumers. So, you know, I try to be that person for other people who are like me when you know, in 2010, like wayward and have no clue what they're doing and have no one to ask. (laughs) Right. And and all your knowledge comes from practical experience, which I, or like trying things out yourself, which I think Mm -hmm. also is so much better than having the textbook formula of a consultant that studied marketing or business. Like, I I feel like then they give you the textbook formula. (laughs) Like, but that doesn't apply to everyone, right? You need to yeah. yeah. You need to get and I mean, first. I mean, even like my own experience probably doesn't apply to everyone, but right. I feel like, you know, in the past 10 years, so much has changed with social media and marketing. So I even feel like even if I had gone to school for marketing, it would be like a completely different situation now in a lot of ways. Like obviously Absolutely. some stuff is transcendent of time, but yeah, I'm just like, this is crazy. Like we all are still kind of hustling, but we're doing it at least with other people. Right. But it's also the attitude you bring to the table, which is I've been struggling before. Like, I I feel like that's what it is. Like even us with the podcast, like we're, we're like, we just don't know what we're doing. Right. Like we just try to like (laughs) dumb down the expertise by, but also saying we have authority to give advice on this. Like, I think it's right. Right. We're going to like research our stuff and like figure it out. And we're going to come to you with like the best that we can and like say like, Hey, this is the best we're doing and like not bullshit you. Right. Right. But you know, we still have a lot to learn. Like, yeah, right. we're still on our, yeah. our own learning journeys as, right. you know, yeah. we expect all of our listeners to be. Uh, yeah, so, I would right. not expect Join us on this journey. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And the thing that I love is that you still have your handmade business. So you are still always up and learning with like, mm-hmm. you know, Instagram is changing and mm-hmm. Etsy is changing. And so like you're going through the same changes as any of your clients are going through. Yes. And that's something that's really important to me. I know there are a lot of, there are a lot of ways I could be like, oh, I don't have time for this anymore or whatever, but I want to do it. First of all, I like running my handmade business and I feel like it connects me better to the people who I'm working with, even though primarily I work with people now instead of fabric, (laughs) which was a big part of why I wanted to transition into doing that as well, because I felt like I was a little bit isolated, like doing my own thing. Yeah. Um, But anyway, yeah, I, I do run my handmade business still. And I love to do that. And I feel like that really does connect me to what is current and what, what is happening. And it's a challenge for me too. And I like that. So I will continue. Because it is always changing. So you're always yes. learning how to, my favorite phrase you said so far was leveraging available tools to your benefit. Because I feel mm-hmm. like business or no business degree, 
doing that, learning how to leverage the things that everyone has access to is the key now in 2018. So maybe you can go a little bit into that because you said when, when you got on Etsy and leveraged Etsy to your benefit, now Etsy's changing slash closing, right? As far as I understand or or not. They're just raising their prices. Oh, okay. Or their, their base fees. Yes. They changed their fee structure. So they're leveraging their popularity, you know, (laughs) everyone's trying to leverage. Etsy is a business too. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Now they have shareholders. Yeah. (laughs) A publicly traded company. (laughs) So yeah, so leveraging. I love that word in terms of how us as resourceful women and crafty ass females and what this whole podcast is about Mm -hmm. can try to focus on instead of sales and marketing and leverage. Like I love that word. So how is like leveraging kind of changed in your mind from when you started to now? And then I know you go into like leveraging web presence for more than just sales. Like what does that mean? So maybe you can kind of go into that. Yeah. So like when I started and like I said, I was like, okay, Etsy is this thing and I can use that to my benefit. I just have to figure out how to like tap into it and like appeal to it and stuff. And I think when, when we talk about that now, people like to say like optimize and I like to say optimize as well, because if you can optimize your Etsy visibility and your Etsy presence, then you basically are leveraging that unique power that is Etsy. So like Etsy is this marketplace that brings in so much traffic. Um, you know, whether, whether or not I do anything to drive traffic to Etsy, Etsy has traffic coming to it. And my job as a seller is to take from that traffic of people who are coming to the site ready to buy. That I think is huge because people always like to compare Etsy to Instagram. And I'm like, Instagram is not necessarily a place you go to shop. It's a place you go to scroll and look at your friends and celebrities and stuff like that, right? And like in the process, yes, you might find something you want to buy, but when you want to buy something, you're not like, oh, let me go on Instagram. (laughs) You're like, let me go on Amazon. Let me go on Etsy. Etsy is a selling platform. So all the people who are coming there are interested in either browsing to buy in the future or interested in buying today. So that makes them a warmer audience um, already to what I'm selling by virtue of I'm selling something and they assume I'm assuming most of them know that they're coming there and buying artisanal products or you know unique products that you can't find at Target mm-hmm. so by virtue of that being the kind of audience Etsy attracts that's that's insanely beneficial to me as a seller of the, the kind of seller I am so I was like okay we got to we got to get in front of Etsy's Etsy's audience. So how do we appeal to Etsy and what Etsy wants to feature? How do we appeal to Etsy and what Etsy is doing in terms of what they're putting out there, what they're promoting or all these different things like Etsy, like at the time, like I said, Etsy teams were really big deal. Making treasuries was a really big deal. So I'm like old time OG Etsy sellers will remember that. Um, now it's not even a thing, but there are other opportunities. So like if you can just figure out what the opportunities are, and play into them, you're setting yourself up for the potential of having a broader reach on the platform. And that essentially is exactly what you want with a platform like Etsy, because it's like I said, they're bringing in all these people and those people might be interested in what you're selling. We just have to get it in front of them. So that is, you know, getting found in search or having your items tagged in such a way or categorized in the right way so that people who are looking for those things will find them or people who are looking for things to fill the voids in their life that your product could potentially fill. 
Um, all that kind of stuff is like, those are the unique opportunities that Etsy provides to sellers. And another thing I like to tell people, because people always are like, no, I'm not doing Etsy. It's too saturated. I'm going to focus on Instagram or whatever. And I'm like, if you think Etsy is saturated, yeah. then you might not know that there are 1 billion Instagram users. <laughs> so like there's nowhere near that many people on Etsy. So it's much easier to stand out. Also, I mean, yes, it's a very large pool, but it's a much smaller pool than Google, which is indexing everything that's on the internet ever. Right. Instagram with its 1 billion users. Like literally that just happened yesterday. They announced that they had 1 billion users on Instagram. Like that's crazy. That's <laughs> so, like one third of the world. Yeah, it's nuts. One it's just nuts. Seven. So, you know, okay. it's just such a unique power that Etsy has. And so if we can just tap into that, that will serve us. And like you said, not just for sales, mm -hmm. because obviously, yeah, we all want to make sales, but if we only focus on one-to-one -one sales, then that's really all we're ever going to accomplish. But Etsy doesn't just bring in traffic that's full of buyers who are interested in browsing to buy or buying today. It brings in people who are influencers, people who buy for celebrities, people who buy for TV sets or movies or they dress people who work on TV or, you know, they're big time bloggers, whatever. Like there's all of this like media um, opportunity in there as well. And like we've had people like I've had students who've gotten picked up for major features that ultimately led to more sales. But, you know, there's opportunity. It's almost like having someone reach out to you to be like, Hey, we want to work with you on a licensing deal for, you know, West Elm or something right. is not going to show up in your Etsy sales number, but ultimately is, could be like a huge game changer for your business. And so many people have been discovered on Etsy by those big companies who want to do licensing deals or by bloggers who bought something and then posted about it and they sold out or, you know, stuff like that is like, that's amazing. It wasn't just a one-to-one -one sale, but it was an opportunity that led to something bigger. So that's what I like to encourage my students to do is use your Etsy to kind of tap into that power. Um, use Etsy for what it can do for you. And, you know, use your site almost as like a representation of your business, not just a place that people come and put stuff in their cart, they buy it and you never hear from them again. Right. So... So who is like, who's a good candidate for this? Who's a good candidate for transitioning their crafty hobby into a crafty business? Um, is it anyone who wants to like make a few extra dollars on the side? Or is it people who have um, a certain amount of time? Who, um, who's my, who makes the best students for you? Who should come and, come and uh, buy your classes? My students um, tend to be those who are really, truly interested in building a business, like long-term, more than just like side money. Um, they're usually people who want to build up to supplement their income for their family, like, you know, significantly to offset the cost of a vacation once or twice a year or offset like their children's activity fees or something like that. People who do have enough time to dedicate to it to generate a significant amount of money. 
Um, those are the people I tend to work with the most. But I think anybody could, you know, proportionate to the time that they're willing to spend and the amount of effort they're willing to exert, make money selling what they make. It's just that my people tend to be on like that sort of like middle level where they're like, okay, I'm really serious about making a significant or, you know, the amount of money, several thousand dollars, whatever, um, to offset some of our family costs or to, I've had people who they are working full time and they want to reduce their hours to part time, that kind of thing to offset. Yeah. So we're talking about like part-time job hours yeah or more but like cool yeah yeah people who have the but i mean obviously time and effort is proportionate usually oh yeah absolutely outcome so depending on how much time a person has but a lot of a lot of the people i work with are mothers who want to stay home with their children so they're starting their business when you know they're still on like a maternity leave Mm -hmm. or something like that to see like what can they do (laughs) before you know before. And now are people coming to you going, I have this thing that I do or this idea and I want to leverage it? Or are they coming to you going, I love the model you set. How can I use that model with something? Like, you know what I mean? Are, is it both? Do they usually have a craft? Yeah. Most of the people who come to me is usually a combination of what you said. Like they have something they like to make, but they don't know how to generate profit from it or they don't think that what the thing that they're making is enough so they're like maybe I need to change this in some way uh that kind of thing um but most people who come to me are sort of like already have a product in mind or they've been selling the product for a little while and they sort of have like proven it in the marketplace like they're making Mm -hmm. sales just not as sustainably as they'd like to or they want to you know next level it that all makes a lot of sense. I think that's a really great. Um, it's just a place where a lot of people need help because mm-hmm. it's one of those places where you feel like, well, I know what I'm doing mm-hmm. is worth something and viable, but I just like it's not something that you can just Google. Like, yeah, like what is the next thing? What is the next step? There's not like, mm-hmm. and the thing is like you can get down to the nitty gritty and try to Google like, well, you know, what should I be typing in like keywords and stuff? And like, Mm -hmm. you can be finding old blog posts, but things change so quickly Mm -hmm. and everything changes so quickly that if you find a blog post or a video from two years ago, it might not even be relevant anymore. Right. And it's not individual to your situation. Yeah. The thing is too, like most of the people I work with, they got into doing this because they had something they liked to make, not because they wanted to start a business. Like they, they're sort of, they're not like the people on Shark Tank who are like, sharks, I identified a problem because I was in a situation (laughs) once and I developed this product that is going to solve this problem. Like they're not that, they're not trying to do something specific like that. Usually, I mean, some of them are, but most people are like, I have this thing I like to make, or I made some for friends or my own kid. People start asking me, you know, can you make one for my kid? Whatever, that kind of thing. And then they're like, find themselves in business sort of accidentally. And they're like, hey, this is pretty cool. Or they're like, I have something I really want to put out there. 
that I like to make. It's not necessarily like solving any like mass crisis, but I want to sell it. Like those are really, mm-hmm. so they're not coming from like a business place. Um, they're coming from a crafty place. And so you need that help to sort of just put it on that business platform. Do you ever do work with like artists or crafters who have been crafting or working for a long time as like hobbyists and want to make the jump to art for profit or craft for profit, but don't necessarily know where? Yes. Okay. I hear from people all the time. They're like, oh, I've been making this thing for, you know, 10 years and, you know, finally my kids are in school full time or I'm an empty nester or X, Y, and Z thing has happened that now I have this opportunity to try to do this. I just don't know what to do. Or it's been years since I've sold X, Y, and Z thing in X, Y, and Z way. And that's no longer a thing. So what do I do now? That happens sometimes too. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of our listeners, um, will definitely identify with that of like, you know, the kids are in school now. I have, you know, my mornings and my afternoons like back to myself and I want to, you know, get back to the table and work. Exactly. You know, now that I don't have, for, for, you know, my listeners and my, my audience, it would be, I don't have a million photos to scrapbook of my kids anymore, Mm -hmm. but I still want to be crafty and I make beautiful things and I want to share them with the world. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that is really truly how most of this begins is like making something and being like, hey, there's potential here. I just don't know what to do with it or like how yeah. to make that happen. Um, and it's amazing when, when people identify that in themselves and want to move forward with it. And then that's kind of where I can sort of like take them by the hand and let's figure it out. <laughs> so what, um, what type of classes do you offer so you do offer classes what type of classes do you offer so I have had several classes over time my the main thing right now is I have a membership community I've just found like you've said several times things change so quickly Um, this is a way that I can work with people longer term in real time Um, so they join, it's just a monthly fee and they can stay as many months as they'd like. And that way we are connected with, we usually do some sort of a lesson every month. Um, whether that's something that's current, like this just changed, let's talk about it or something, you know, this is good to know forever and ever. Let's talk about it. Um, that's just a monthly ongoing thing. And we have a community of, what I love about that community is that everyone is sort of on the same page. Like we're serious business people and we're moving forward together. Um, and we do live calls and live chats. And we have guest experts and stuff like that. So that's an ongoing thing. And then obviously when you join, you have access to everything that's already been there. That's the main thing we do right now. Um, is that the, what you call unstumped? That is the council. The membership um, scenario is called the council. Oh, okay. And then the Unslump is... Oh, Unslump, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that's your summer program. That sounds yeah, so cool. my summer... Some people like to call it summer boot camp. <laughs> it's basically a guide to using the summertime when most people will experience a little bit, at least, of a lull or a slump in the summer season. Using that time not necessarily to change the fact that summer is slumpy, because that's really hard to do since 
our culture dictates that we go outside and do things off our phones and off our computers in the summer and our kids are home and we're busy and we're, you know, off our regular routine and schedule. People just aren't in the mindset that they are the rest of the year. So rather than try to correct that, what we do is maintain positive focus instead of getting upset about our slump. We maintain positive focus through the summer to prep for what we know is likely to be the best season of the year, which is the holiday season. Uh, because once, I mean, truly in an ideal world, everyone would begin in June prepping or earlier <laughs> prepping for Christmas. Uh, but some people just are like, that's way too soon. But then it's September and then it's October right. and now it's way too late. So <laughs> yeah, um, that's what I really truly encourage people to like, don't freak out about the summer slump. Let's just use this time. Like this is really valuable time for us as business owners. Let's make sure we use it wisely so we can make it so that Christmas time is maximized as much as possible because that Christmas buying season for online small retailers is so small. Mm -hmm. The day in which your average American person really truly gets into the spirit of buying for Christmas is at the earliest Black Friday. And then the date that most small retailers like us would have to stop taking orders in, in order to create them and ship them for Christmas is like literally 18 days later. <laughs> It's like that window of opportunity is so small. You have to prepare for that to make that as good as it can be. And that's what the unslump does. And that's a seasonal thing that we offer, obviously, in the summer. And then we have my Etsy training course, which is sort of like the crown jewel of the courses. <laughs> that's, you know, your guide to making Etsy the best it can be for you, optimizing and leveraging the platform um, and really increasing your visibility and reach for sales and opportunities and exposure that can be lucrative <laughs> um, and just helping Etsy sellers make the most of their time on that platform. And everything you said about Etsy up until this point and all the points you made are so good and they <laughs> totally go against because I've heard just being like, you know, ears open and yep. in small business world, whatever, like I've heard a lot of the whole well, you want to sell your things on your own website because you want people to say, I didn't get this on Etsy. I got this from Danielle or Absolutely. Kristen or Amanda or whatever, right? So I hear mm -hmm. that criticism of Etsy a lot or Pinterest. Like you didn't find it on Pinterest. It came from somewhere in order to be right. on Pinterest. So, right. but everything you're saying as far as like the audience that comes to Etsy knows what they're there for, like that is... Yes. So, I mean, yes. you just make so, you kind of count. That was always my thinking behind posting things to, to Pinterest or Etsy, but even both platforms can be like you're saying, optimized and leveraged and you shouldn't, yes. you shouldn't limit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I always encourage people to have their own website as well. Right. But if you're going to use Etsy, like this is what you're using it for. You might not right. realize that this is what you should be using it for, but this is what you should be using it for. Um, and obviously, yes, we want to create that autonomy too. But for most people, the natural starting place is something like Etsy or actually Etsy. And so I want to help people create sustainability there and then they'll feel more secure going into their own site too. Right. And the thing is like, you've probably heard this, you know, criticisms of Etsy as far as like what features are available to sellers and how the things are laid out or whatever. If you have that experience of a platform like Etsy, you can sort of take what you liked and didn't like about that over to your own website. So it's sort of nice to start with something like that. And of course, because it's so easy to use and it's plug and play basically, 
you know, the barrier of getting started is really small. So that's the natural starting spot. But then of course, I always want people to have their own site as well, because you just never know when, when you don't own the platform, like none of us own Etsy. Um, you just want to have that autonomy on the side too. <laughs> you know, you want to have this as part of your bigger business plan, but for the most part, people are going to start on Etsy and that's a really good idea. And so let's, let's make it worth it. I think that's brilliant. And it makes me think too of like all this leveraging and optimizing. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you say to people who, cause nowadays in 2018, there's mm-hmm. Instagram, Pinterest, like we did, we did just recently a whole social media themed episode and listed like yeah. 10 like social media things to, in order to optimize your brand and your person. So what would you say to people who feel like overwhelmed by it? Hence burnt out. Hence they don't start anywhere. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like that happens. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're all susceptible to that because there are so many options. Um, for me, I usually tell people you want to have one like passive sort of social media and one active at least. Mm -hmm. Right. And then depending on what you like, you can add something else in. Mm -hmm. And so for most people, Instagram is sort of like the natural people feel naturally pulled to Instagram. Um, and that's more of an active platform. Like you have to continue to post on it. Um, you can't really like automate it the same way you can automate a lot of other platforms, but then also have something that you can automate <laughs> like a Pinterest or Twitter. You can't, I mean, you know, you know, Facebook, that kind of thing. I usually suggest Instagram and then Facebook, but also Pinterest, which is not really truly social media, but right. it's more like a search engine. So those are usually the three that people will, I will tell people these are good and people feel naturally comfortable on them anyway, because you use them as a person as well as, as a business owner. Right. Um, it's not the same as like YouTube where it's like your average person doesn't create videos and post them to, well, I mean, they do of their dogs, right. but you know what I mean? It's like you sort of feel less intimidated by a Facebook or an Instagram. Um, and then Pinterest is like, you just, other people can kind of do the work for you there. So that's cool. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and again, like bringing home the point of using Pinterest is very different than optimizing Pinterest because again, yes. like you can post a picture of something you've created on Pinterest, but if it isn't the right orientation slash color slash tag slash wording. Mm-hmm. So th- I really want to bring that point home is that some people think, well, I'm on Pinterest. I must be leveraging it. Like that's you (laughs) help them with the leveraging part. Yeah. And Pinterest too has changed a lot in this past like six months even. Um, So Pinterest is amazing. It's similar to Etsy in the sense that it's its own marketing searchy platform and people go there and look for things. And you know, if you're properly optimized, you can show up and whatever. So, um, it's kind of awesome too, that like, you know, one thing I always tell people is like, let's, let's optimize your Etsy images for Pinterest because you're not the only person who's going to pin these things. So if someone's in your Etsy shop and they pin it, like, let's make it so that that image that they're pinning can at least do some work for you now that it's on there. Yeah. Um, because you know, that's, that's a natural progression. I'm searching on Etsy, I'm pinning or, you know, I'm favoriting things, whatever. So yeah, there's, there's so many layers to all of these things, but yeah, it's super overwhelming. And so I would just tell people like pick one active and one passive to begin with, and then go from there based on what you like or what your audience likes. Sometimes that's 
almost more important than yeah. <laughs> what you like. <laughs> um, cause I don't necessarily love creating long form videos of me talking to a camera, but YouTube would be a really good platform for me to be on. So that might have to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. I hear you. Yeah. Dang, this you've been super informative. Aw, thank you. I know. <laughs> this has been awesome. Um Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say one I'm like th- so thinking now. <laughs> you I know. got my wheels turning. Right? That's um good. I wanna ask you about being crafty and resourceful. Okay. So one of the things that we ask uh everyone who comes on the show mm-hmm. is um Two of the ways that we talk about being a crafty-ass female is about being crafty as a creative person and being crafty as a resourceful person. Mm -hmm. I think that, actually, of everyone who's been on the show, I think you might be the one who's balanced the most. Because I (laughs) I think your business reflects both of them so well. But I'd love to hear your definitions of how you are both crafty as a creative person Mm -hmm. and crafty as a resourceful person. I love that question because for like since forever, I've like identified as like a creative person. And obviously everybody around me, probably everybody around you guys too, is like creative means that you like to draw and paint and even even like me as like someone who does embroidery, they're like oh, that's interesting. Like, it's not the most natural connection to creative or whatever as, like, drawing and painting. Um, But, like, definitely in terms of being crafty, I love to cut things up and put them back together. (laughs) That's my, like, creative process in, like, everything I've ever loved to do. I love collage. I love decoupage. I love embroidery, which is basically cutting things up and putting them back together. Um that's my creative process in terms of how I am crafty. And I think that cut things up and put them back together in sort of a proverbial way is how I approach like problems, you know, and be resourceful in my regular life. Um, And I don't know if that's like even the best way to say it, but just like, I feel like I approach everything with like, because I'm not, a like by the book like learned person (laughs) so I feel like by default I'm sort of approaching everything in this creative mindset way um I can't think of like any really solid examples but I just you know if I'm in a group of people everyone's like oh let's do one of these two things these are the two options we have available to us and I'm like hey what about this other thing (laughs) you guys are gonna think sounds weird and then they're like oh yeah that that could work and that sounds more fun let's do that yeah you're like why wasn't that that in your brain to begin with yes yeah like I'm absolutely the person who they're like you know I'm at the age where a lot of my friends are getting married and I've been, you know, a bridesmaid and I've been to bachelorette parties and all this stuff. And people are always like, Oh, Danielle can do that. Like, <laughs> yes. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can. But like, so could you guys They're like, nah, we don't know what we're doing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, like whatever is like most, they're like, someone needs to figure out how this is going to happen. It's not buying tickets for anything. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, yeah. You know, the things that don't have like definitive answers someone's like, you know, find a place that we can do this, this, and this. I'm like, oh, okay. Or, you know, the things that don't have definitive answers, like someone needs to order the tickets, someone needs to book this or that. That's like always my job. (laughs) 
like <laughs> so I'm like okay I'll do that like I guess that's just kind of like the vibe I give off to but um you know but it's that a little bit from column a. yeah it's yeah. that <laughs> jerk resourcefulness that everyone on our show that we invite like it's they always say mm-hmm. that I'm the person that people go to because <laughs> you yeah, right, I'm the person because yeah, you exude yeah. this like excitable like intuitive you know like, how to get things done yeah. I think I see the opportunity and things that other people kind of miss if it's not yeah surface level right and so that's why people are like oh Danielle can do that <laughs> Danielle's job I'm like okay sure I will do that for you my friend who's getting married and stressed out yeah. so um, yeah, but then yeah, the other, but I, yeah, that's more exciting for me anyway than ordering tickets to something or like make a reservation at some restaurant, you know, like that's the more exciting stuff. But I just obviously think it's we so, need both. It's so funny <laughs> how the resourcefulness like exponentially gets bigger because then your awareness of that trait then makes you mm-hmm. able to be resourcefully trying to come up with opportunities to use that trait. So it's like, it's always yeah. like, I think that's the so inspiring. And I even love how you described it, that you cut things up and put them back together. Like the way that you cut up, like what you observe and how can I observe all these things and put them back? Yeah. I I mean, I, I like to think that that's kind of like my, you know, role too, is what people have kind of come to me for. So I guess that's, you know, for me, that's more exciting. And so I'm glad to be that person. Yeah, totally. I think there's the question. Oh, absolutely. I think that's fantastic. Awesome. (laughs) So good. So, okay. So another thing we like to do before we end the interview and head over to After Chatter is kind of run through the currently list that Kristen, that a lot of people associate Kristen with. She designed this currently list with like, currently I'm doing this, 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 this. We're going to run through it verbally on the show in kind of a lightning round way. Are you ready, Danielle? I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) Here we go. So Danielle, what are you currently watching? Okay. I'm currently watching cable because we haven't had cable (laughs) for like six and a half years. So I'm like just getting into like fixer upper and I'm like, you guys, fixer upper is the greatest. (laughs) Five years later. Yeah. I'm like very delayed in like cable TV, but I'm enjoying it. So yeah. Fixer upper is a good find. (laughs) Welcome. Very exciting time. Yes. And now that she's all in target, you can be like, I made the yeah, connection. Like, I feel like I'm just discovering yeah. this thing that everyone's already known about, but I'm so excited about it. Awesome. Okay. What are you currently reading? I'm currently reading this book called Into the Water, which is written by the same woman who wrote Girl on the Train, which I loved and read in like literally 20 hours. This one's a little bit harder because there's a lot of characters. I'm trying to keep them straight, but so far it's good. It's called Into the Water. I've heard good things about that. Yeah, she's a good writer. The like so. psychological like twists. Yeah, that kind of thing. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are you currently listening to? Um, well, I'm always listening to like the most poppiest pop music ever, <laughs> but I'm currently getting really into. Um, I'm tapping back into my roots and getting really into Celine Dion again because I'm. Nice. I'm trying to fulfill one of my lifelong goals, which is to see Celine Dion in Vegas. Uh, so oh, that would be so good. I'm prepping. I'm getting super excited. Yeah. I've already, I've got a couple people who are willing to make, help me make it happen. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to send you guys a playlist, all the best Celine songs. Yeah. Oh my great. God. That is like a great lifetime goal. Yeah. <laughs> On my bucket list. Oh so. my gosh. So oh good. yeah. We're going to make it happen. So good. So, okay. What are you currently making? 
I am currently making, of course, I always am making my little embroidered initial necklaces, but I'm also making some Christmas ornaments because as we know, now's the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been making a lot of Christmas ornament samples because I have a, it's going to be like a made to order, but I'm making a lot of samples. So a maker's calendar is so funny, right? <laughs> it is. It's, yeah. It's a little bit weird, but not as weird as like the fashion industry calendar. Yeah, so. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Oh my yeah. goodness! And I love too your embroidered um, brains, the things oh, that say on the you. brains. I was looking at that. I was like, oh, this one says this. Oh, this, it was so cute. Anyway, thank you got to check out her Instagram, guys, and look at all her embroidery and the little embroidery brains. So cute. <laughs> okay, what are you currently feeling? I'm currently feeling motivated. I know that's sort of probably like a cop out answer, but um, after we've had a lot of the past year of my life has been crazy busy, ridiculous. We moved four times in the past calendar year. We had all the issues with um, my baby Valentine, my fur child who recently passed. So it's just time to like, you know, get back on to like some kind of a real human routine and not moving around so much. And <laughs> so I'm motivated to like get my yes. life back together. Would you? Yeah, no, that yes. sounds so perfect. That's that's a that's great answer. Okay. Would you say a synonym for motivated for you right now would be stronger? Yeah, and a little bit more, um, a little bit more empowered to move um, for pleasure, like move right. travel yes. for pleasure as opposed to move for necessity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I so feel you on that because the, the, I've made it clear in many times that this has been a rough year for me and I'm mm-hmm. I'm craving that stronger empowered feeling like you know what yeah. I mean I'm, I'm waiting for it to hit me because I've been so like you're saying like doing things out of necessity and dealing with feelings out of necessity to have to feel them yes I get you girl emotionally draining was <laughs> another word that we could have yeah. used for the past year so yes good for yeah. you girl happy Thank for you, you. motivated is <laughs> a good one okay what are you currently planning I'm always planning something. I think those two sort of go hand in hand for me. It's like I'm planning on getting my life back on track. Um, And just really for honestly, just the rest of the year, planning to have more time with the humans in my life, like my family people, my friend people who I, you know, not to get super into this, but like we had a lot of issues with our fur baby and I would have stuck it out with her forever but I'm glad that neither of us have to endure that anymore. So um, now that I can sort of reinvest my time in, you know, my friends and my family, I'm planning on doing that. Oh, I love it. That's a great answer. answer. And finally, what are you currently loving? Okay. So another thing I'm super delayed about apparently is I'm currently loving Reddit, which I have only just recently started using. (laughs) It's gotten so much better. The, like, the toxicity has gone, like, way down. That's good. So it used to just be this, like, awful cesspool of <laughs> terrible, horrible, like, the worst men on the planet. Uh-huh. But just recently, it's been so much better. So, like, it's awesome that you just discovered That's it good. because it's only recently become a place that people can actually hang out. Well, I'm glad to know that. I guess I don't have anything to really compare right. it to. Um, like in its previous life, but I'm glad to be there now because it's pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it is re- like uh, it's used to just be this awful, terrible place yeah. where 
boys who couldn't get girlfriends would go and feel bad about themselves. Mm-hmm. But now it's just the, like, I mean, there's still those boards where those types of people hang out, but right. now there's ones with, like, gardening and, like, cute animals. Give me one like, two-line tagline of what Reddit is. It's forums on oh. the internet. Good. Yeah, it's basically forums. All right. We'll link yeah. to it. And there's just, they're all different categories. Gotcha. What you which what categories do you like? What what ones are you following? Like, what are your favorites? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> There's just cute animal video ones where like they find literally the cutest animal yeah, videos, I love, and you can I love just anything that's like animals doing cute things. <laughs> I love. Um, there's one called Legal Advice that like. Oh. It's just fascinating to hear about all these crazy things that happen to people, and then they ask for legal advice about it. Oh. Um really interesting reads i also like no sleep and (laughs) we will link to all these i am on a hunt for show notes of oh yeah no and then there's like sub forms for like every single thing you could possibly think like everything every television show and then like just oh my god it's hilarious yep pretty awesome so yeah all right (laughs) i cannot wait like I'm usually in charge of the show notes of every episode, and I can't wait to dive into everything you said. I'm so excited that Amanda's going to go on Reddit for the first time. <laughs> oh, Yay, just, just internet. Just, like, off nine hours of your life. <laughs> we did it. Um, yeah, so we're going to go over to After Chatter. Um, we're going to talk about women and money and having healthy relationships with money and mm-hmm. knowing that you are worth the things that uh, – your, your stuff is worth money and that you should sell it for money and it's okay yeah. to sell your stuff. Yeah. And you're valuable. Yeah. And I'm really excited to talk to Danielle about that. Awesome. Um, so we will see you guys next week. And if you want to head over to After Chatter and hear about this talk, which I'm super excited about, and you should be super excited about too, because I think it's going to be awesome, go to patreon.com slash craftyassfemale. Um, otherwise, we will catch you next week. And uh, have an have an awesome week, guys. We love you very much, and we'll we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.